Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. I want to talk about how we have overcoming power through the blood of the Lamb. I taught him a message, there is power in the blood. Isn't that a great title for a message? There is power in the blood. The scripture talks about this enemy that we still face, the accuser of the brethren, and how he is cast down from heaven. This is during the tribulation period. But the Bible says that before that takes place where he's cast out of heaven, the scripture tells us that that enemy, our devil, Satan, the slanderer, accuses us before God. He might say things such as this. They don't love you. They're not faithful. They serve you only for your blessings. In the book of Job, that's what Satan said to God concerning Job. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The devil might say things such as this in the presence of God about you, about us. They don't deserve your love. They have failed you. They will never be perfect before you. Years ago, today is my 46th birthday in Jesus. I got saved. Can you believe this? April 15th. It's my birthday, my spiritual birthday. April 15th, 1976. I got saved. Praise the Lord. And uh, that's awesome. What a, what a difference God made in my life. But uh, before I gave my heart to Christ, about two, three weeks before I got saved, uh, I was on a weekend because I'd gone out partying and uh, I came home uh, just uh, stoned and fell into a very deep sleep. I didn't know God at all, fell into this deep sleep. And in my, in my sleep, I had this dream. And this dream was instrumental for leading me to salvation. And in my dream, I'm pulling away from the restaurant where I worked at is a long, uh, lonely road, and I'm driving my car, and all of a sudden, the lightning flashed across the heavens, and uh, the wrath of God fell upon me, and I remember I was slumped over the steering wheel of my car, and I was grip, gripping it as tightly as I could, and I was facing downward, and I was gritting my teeth or gnashing my teeth. And I knew the wrath of God was on me. And there's nothing I could do to escape. And then all of a sudden I woke up. And if you knew me, I never would have said this. But I woke up being so disturbed and awakened by that dream. I woke up and I said out loud, as an 18-year-old boy, I said out loud, I got to get right with God. About three weeks later... I remember walking down the aisle of a church to the front and praying and receiving Christ. My sins were forgiven, but I needed to get right with God. Lewis Jones, back in 1865, was at a camp meeting where revival broke out. It was in the state of Maryland. Revival broke out, and he was seeing all kinds of wonderful things being done in people's lives by the power of God. 
And he was so impressed by the power of God, the power of salvation, people receiving, lives being changed, miracles taking place, that he he penned these words. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you over evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. The second stanza goes like this. Would you be wider, much wider than snow? Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. How many remember that hymn, sang that hymn? Oh, there is wonderful power in the blood, isn't there? My wife and I have had the privilege of going to the nation of Egypt many, many times, well over 10 times, 10 to 15 times, and ministering there to the pastors and Christian leaders. It's a wonderful Presbyterian campsite right on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea in the city of Alexandria. Of course, it's a Muslim nation, and the Christians are very oppressed there. Uh, but uh, there is some allowance for faith to be expressed. And so uh, we support a great missionary. He's one of my best friends, Dr. Sam Asadik, and he's had us over there. And I remember one year we went. This is a number of years ago, probably about 10, 15 years ago. We went, and on the front row... On every service was a middle-aged lady, and she would be singing and so happy and receiving uh, from worship, from the messages. And finally, one of the ministers came up to me, Egyptian pastors came up to me and said, she would like to share her testimony with you. And so I went and sat down, and through a translator, she told me her story. Her husband was a Muslim. She was a Muslim. Her husband was Muslim, and he was mayor of a town in the uh, nation of Egypt. And uh, as uh, with all Muslims, one of their dreams is to make the pilgrimage to Mecca to worship God, to worship Allah. Well, she made the pilgrimage, and she was in Mecca, and she was there, and the great throng of people worshiping Allah, what they believe is God, and uh, God gave her a vision. And in this vision, Jesus was on the cross being crucified. Of course, she's Muslim. Jesus is on the cross being crucified. And of course, he's bleeding from the nails and the hands and the feet. And of course, the wound of the sword in the side that pierced his heart. He's bleeding out. Only it wasn't red blood. She says it was white blood. White blood was coming out of him, not red blood, but white blood. And so she asked God, God, can you explain this this vision to me of white blood? And she said God spoke to her that this means that he was no ordinary man, that he was the son of God. Did you know she gave her heart to Christ right there in Mecca, worshiping with all the others? She gave her heart to Jesus Christ and became a born-again believer? Well, she's Muslim. She had children. I forget how many children she had. Three children, my wife is saying. She had three children. She went home, and as is the, 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 just the wonderful life change, uh, you have to tell people. The Spirit of God wants you to witness, to share your faith, right? That's what water baptism is all about. You want to share your faith to publicly testify that Jesus is Lord. It's a lot more difficult over there than it is here in America. So she goes, like I said, her husband's a Muslim. He's the mayor of a town. She goes and she tells him, she tells him, at risk to her own life. It's so difficult and challenging there. And did you know he took a spoon and stuck it through one side of her ear, and she's permanently deaf in that ear, and he banished her from the home, and she had never seen her children since. 
And she's on the front row, filled with the joy of the Lord, worshiping God. You see, it was worth it all. It was worth it all because God gave her a vision of Jesus crucified and divine blood, supernatural blood, the blood of God's dear son. It's what awakened her to the reality of the gospel, the truth of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And she had God in her life. And I want you to know, even though she was persecuted, it didn't make any difference to her because she had found God through Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. When Jesus suffered as our substitute, he took the full force of the Father's wrath. How could Jesus suffer an eternity of hell on the cross? The reason is this. He, being infinite, suffered in a finite period what we, being finite, would suffer in an infinite period. The eternities were compressed upon Jesus. Jesus spent six hours on the cross, and it was enough to pay the infinite price for our sins and destroy the works of the devil. Amen to that, right? Those six hours on the cross, the infinite one suffered temporarily so that we who deserve eternal punishment might be free and forgiven eternally. It's amazing. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. How do we overcome by the blood of the Lamb? Well, let's take a look at this. Number one, we are saved because of the blood. Jesus did not save us by his teaching. Jesus did not save us by his example. Jesus did not save us by his miracles. Jesus saved us by his death on the cross. His death, his burial, and also his resurrection. Sunday's coming, and that's the capstone to everything. Jesus rose again for our righteousness and justification. But it was the cross, his death, his suffering, his blood that saved you and I. Such a price. He paid. It's no wonder that woman is on the front row facing terrible persecution and rejection from her family. But listen, something more, more wonderful had touched her heart than that. And that was the wonderful love we find in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I think my son mentioned it during communion. He was born to die. So we were not saved by teaching, by example. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, knowing that you were not redeemed or purchased or bought back from slavery to sin. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Oh God, I'm so thankful that you saved us. With the precious blood of Jesus. God who owns the cattle on the thousand hills and the silver and gold belongs to him. He is as rich and as wealthy as as we can't even describe the wealth that God has. He did not purchase us with his wealth, but he purchased us with the death of his own son. What God would send his son to die for us? What a loving heavenly father we have. What a gracious son the father had. His name is Jesus. And that is a name through faith in his name that we are saved. The name of Jesus. We have a problem. God is holy. He's the just. We are unholy. We are the unjust. 
How could God, who is holy, punish sin and love the sinner at the same time? That's the problem that was solved at Calvary, at the cross. God was, in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Here, the doctor not only makes a house call, leaves heaven, and comes to earth, but the doctor himself makes the patient well by taking the patient's sickness. He dies in our stead. The just for the unjust. The judge not only adjudicates the criminal guilty, but also steps from behind the bench, stands in the place of the accused, and takes the punishment upon himself. The devil will tell you, because he's the accuser of the brethren, the devil will tell God, he'll tell you that you're not good enough. And guess what? You're not. I got good news for you. You're not good enough. You can't make it on your own. You need a savior. But I even got better news than that. God sent a savior. His name is Jesus. He was good enough. His blood was shed for you and I. He has made us right with God. So whenever you feel like you're not good enough, just look at the devil and say, I am not good enough, but I worship the one who is good. God is good. Number two, we overcome him because we are forgiven by his blood. I love Micah chapter 7 verse 19. It says, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into depths of the ocean. Two things that God does with our sins because of the cross. The Bible says he places them under his feet and he just tramples them under our feet. I tell you what, they're pulverized. They're dust, they're ashes. They don't mean a thing anymore because God has placed your sins under his feet and he has trampled them. And the Bible says that he took your sins and he cast them into the deepest sea. That means they are removed from you. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. Removed eternally, removed unconditionally, removed simply by believing in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Isaiah 53 verse 5 to 6 says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. That means we're not good enough. We're rebellious. But we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sometimes you wonder, why would Jesus stumble carrying that cross? I tell you what, it was a heavy cross because the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was the sin bearer. The Bible uses different words to describe our failures. Words such as this, sins, transgressions, trespasses, debts, and iniquities. You see, sin is disobedience to the law. Transgressions means missing the mark. Ever feel like you miss the mark? Trespasses means you're overstepping a boundary. Debt is a payment you owe. Iniquities are twisted bents and perversions. 
but he has laid on him all these things. He was wounded for transgressions and bruised for iniquities. He died for our sins. He washes over our transgressions. He cancels our debt. He forgives our iniquities. God has done all these things, not by works that we have done. He does these things through the death of his dear son, Jesus Christ. You have daily forgiveness as well as eternal forgiveness. The devil might say things such as this to you. Your sins are too many. Your sins are too great. There's no way that God can forgive that sin. There's no way that the Lord will continue to forgive you. You sin in that area time and time again. His patience will run out. The blood will lose its power. There's no way your sins are too great, too many. It's like a heap, a mountain in the sight of God. That's too much, the devil might say. But the cross, his death, the blood says this. You have eternal forgiveness. The Lord laid on him, not just your sins. You might think your sins are too many. The Bible says the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Of us all, not just all here in this room, all here in the United States of America, but the sins of the world were laid on him, not just the sins of the world of those that are alive today, but for all who have lived and are going to live, who have committed all kinds of heinous acts, sinned over and over again, all those sins were placed on the precious Lamb of God who was without spot and without blemish. If you think in some way that you've sinned too much or that that sin is too great, you are minimizing the power that's in the blood. Let's not do that. Let's just, let's just receive our forgiveness. You know, the Lord even told us in the Lord's Prayer, every single day, pray this prayer and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's the daily forgiveness he offers you. He will forgive you again and again and again and again and again. Why do I say that? Because he told his disciples 70 times 7 forgiveness is to be extended. That means an unlimited number every single day. If you think you've exhausted God's grace, remember the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We are forgiven because of the blood. We are saved because of the blood. We have authority over the enemy because of the blood. Did you know that the Bible says when you believe in Jesus, he robes you with a robe of righteousness? When God looks at you, he does not see filthy garments. Garments stained and spotted by sin and transgression and failures. But rather, he sees a robe of righteousness. How righteous are you? As righteous as God's son is righteous. Because when you believe you are in him, in Christ, he now has become not just your salvation, not just your redemption, not just your wisdom, but Jesus now has become your righteousness. The Bible says that you can put on every single day a breastplate of righteousness as part of the armor of God. Why is that? I clothe myself 
in the righteousness of God. So when the enemy comes and tries to condemn me and accuse me and bring shame upon me because of who I am outside of Christ, I say I am covered in the blood. I am robed in righteousness. I have a breastplate of righteousness on me. So I say no to you, Satan. You are a liar. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. According to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, you have bold access into God's presence by the blood of Jesus. You have authority over the devil. You can resist him. The Bible says he will flee. The Bible says the devil is under your feet. Your shield of faith will quench his fiery darts. God has given you his name that you can now pray in Jesus' name. That's in all the authority and power of God's son. While Satan has been defeated and rendered ultimately powerless against the spirit-filled believer, he has not yet surrendered, and he will not give up without a fight. He is going to press on to do whatever damage he can do through deception, threats, and intimidation. And this is a part of the plan of God. God's plan for us is not immunity from struggle, but victory through struggle. I love that hymn. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. His plan is victory through struggle. In this victory, we must appropriate what God has already established. Satan may bluff you, but you need not be afraid. You need to keep your eyes focused and appropriate that which is already yours in Jesus Christ. And that which you have is kingdom authority. The devil will accuse you and say, you will always be defeated. You'll never get victory over that sin. That habit is always going to plague you. You're always going to respond in this way or in that way. You are defeated. You are weak. You have no real strength. But the answer is that we are strong in the grace of God. All things that pertain to life and godliness, he has given you. Resurrection powers on the inside of you. Everything you need to live a godly, holy life, God has put on the inside of you. And it flows to you through the cross of Jesus Christ. I might be defeated in my own strength, but in my weakness, his power is more than enough. And I can rise above any sin, any habit, any failure through the power of the blood of Jesus. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb. Number four, we have been healed because of the blood. The book of Isaiah says, by his stripes, we are healed. Peter mentions this in the New Testament as well. Your healing is for your body and your soul. I want you to know today that God wants your soul to prosper. Through the power of the blood, it can prosper. God can, through the power of the blood, heal your soul. He can turn your sorrow to joy. Is that you today? God can turn your anger to love. God can turn your shame to glory. God can turn your rejection to acceptance. God can turn your fear to courage. The devil will accuse you and tell you your shame and rejection is too great. You're just going to have to live with it. Those emotional wounds and Soul hurts and pains, 
are just going to dominate you your whole life. You'll always feel guilty. You'll always feel ashamed. You'll always have a spirit of rejection upon you. Fear's always going to dominate you. Discouragement leads to depression, which ultimately leads to a despair. That's your portion of life. You can't get victory over that. That's your identity. But he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, the Bible says. The scriptures tell us in that same passage in Isaiah chapter 53 that the Bible says that we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and rejected. Jesus felt the shame. Jesus felt the rejection. Jesus felt the hurt and the pain because he was our sin bearer. And he took those wounds and those rejections and that shame upon himself. And by his stripes, we are healed. I'm no longer rejected, but I am loved and accepted by God. I'm no longer a fearful person because the power of God is on the inside of me. And God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and a sound mind. I'm not an angry man. I'm a man that's filled with the love of God. Because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. God has taken my pain and turned it to his glory. Because he has turned all things together. He works all things together for good. You might be disappointed. You might feel rejected. You might even have anger in your heart. But I want you to look at the cross and see the love of God that is at that cross. And how Jesus took all that upon himself. And he reaches out to you. And what do you see? see nail scarred hands he says I love you this much I love you this much and those feelings those emotions those attitudes that are so hurtful and painful God has an answer for you today we can take our hurts our embarrassments our shame our failure I love that where he says he'll take our ashes and turn it to beauty. He'll take our shame and turn it to glory. You are loved by God, accepted by your heavenly father. Christ died for you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who condemns us in the presence of God? We have an answer, and it's the blood of Jesus. Somebody rejoice in that today. Do you need victory today? Do you need healing today? We overcome all of his accusations. We overcome all that by the power of the blood of the Lamb. One final one. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. We have heavenly assurance because of the blood. Reading out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. You know, one day, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Each and every one of us, one day, are going to stand before God. And God is the judge at the throne. He's not the heavenly father. He's not the eternal friend. He's the judge, the judge. And each one of us will give account.
for the things we have done in our body, whether good or bad. Each one of us will stand before a holy, righteous God. And listen to what it says in Hebrews 12, 24. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness, instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus cries out not for vengeance, but for forgiveness. When Jesus died on the cross, that blood established a new covenant or an eternal covenant. That's right, you've been brought into an eternal covenant with God through the blood of Jesus. It's not the covenant of law, it's the covenant of grace. You approach the throne of God boldly through the blood of Jesus. We are now saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It's a grace covenant. It's a come covenant. It's a believe covenant. It's you're made right with God through faith covenant. It's not a temporary covenant. It's an eternal covenant, the Bible says. It says in heaven that blood has been sprinkled. That means it's ever in the presence of our heavenly father. The blood ever intercedes in heaven for our forgiveness. When you sin, the reason why God is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins is because the blood that Jesus shed, he took to heaven, the scripture says, and presented it to the heavenly father, and it satisfied his divine wrath. It satisfied his divine justice. It is sprinkled in the tabernacle of heaven, the scripture says, and it's ever before our heavenly father. And so when the father looks at you, he looks at you through the that blood. That's good news, isn't it? It's eternally there. It will never lose its power. (laughs) I love that. It will never lose its power in this life or in the life to come. You might be thinking, well, what if one day in eternity, God opens up the records and see all that I did and said, you know what? You did way too much on a mistake. Out you go. I banish you from heaven. That will not happen. Because it's an eternal covenant based upon, based upon the eternal blood, the power of the blood of Jesus. And we now have eternal forgiveness. It begins the moment you believe. The moment you believe, you are washed, covered, forgiven, cleansed, made right, declared righteous, accepted before God because of the blood. The devil might say something like this. God no longer loves you. You've blown it way too much. You've exhausted his grace. You stepped outside of his plan. He has no more salvation left for you. But our answer is always not look at me. Our answer is always the cross, his death, his suffering, the blood, the blood ever intercedes. It's the basis of eternal covenant. That covenant is a covenant of grace. I am welcomed in. I can come back. I can receive forgiveness. God will forgive me again and again and again. Somebody say amen to that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In what area is the devil troubling you? We talked about being healed. We talked about having heavenly assurance. 
We talked about having authority over the enemy. We talked about forgiveness. We talked about salvation. The devil is a liar. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus is the truth. Grace saves, truth frees. Grace saves, truth frees. Be set free today. Be saved today. Rest in the finished work of Calvary. In the New Testament, it's believe and be saved. Not do and be saved. Believe and be saved. Believe and be saved. We've been watching this video. Come to the cross. Come to the cross. How do we do that? By faith. You might not see with physical eyes, but you can see with spiritual eyes. God can open up the eyes of your heart where you can believe. And by the authority of God's word, I can say if you truly believe, you are forgiven. If you believe, you are forgiven. In Jesus, by faith, in him, through the blood, bow your head in the presence of the Lord. How many of you need to come to Christ? How many of you need to come back to Christ? You've wandered away. You know, one time walked with the Lord, but you strayed away. You wandered away. And you might be saying, he won't receive me back. I've done too much. I rejected him. He won't welcome me. But I hope this message cleared that up for you. He will welcome you home. He will receive you once again. He looks at you with eyes of love. His arms are opened with nail-scarred hands. Will you come to Jesus and be saved? Will you believe upon him? Will you return to Jesus, come back to Jesus and renew your faith in him today? If you want to pray this prayer with me to come to Jesus or to come back to Jesus. If you want to pray this prayer with me, just say it right along with me. I'm going to have everybody say it out loud. You say this prayer right along with us out loud, okay? And God's going to hear that prayer for the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you want to come to Jesus or come back to Jesus and renew your faith, say this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I come back to you. Forgive me of all my sins. From this day forward, you are first. I'm going to follow you. Cleanse me. Wash me. Give me your Holy Spirit. I want to become a follower of Jesus. With your heads bowed, if you prayed that, to come to Jesus or to come back to Jesus, just raise your hand. 
Lift your hand up high so I can see it. Yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Just lift your hand up. Yes, praise the Lord. Lift your hand up. Yes, praise the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? You prayed that to come to Jesus, to come back to Jesus. I see little children also raising their hand. Yes, praise the Lord. Let the little children come to Jesus, right? Those of you that raised your hand, uh, if you did pray that to come to Jesus or to come back to Jesus, please take that card, that connect card right there in the pew and fill that out and say, I committed my life to Jesus or I received Christ or I recommitted my life. Just fill that out and we have a Bible to give you out there in our foyer. Just go straight out there in our foyer. You just turn that in. We'll give you a Bible. What should you do with that Bible? Just start reading. Just start reading it. Start in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just start right there. Read one chapter a day. And God's going to start speaking to you. All right? God's going to start speaking to you. We have a concluding video for you. Put a capstone on Good Friday. Let's watch this video at this time.